Pentecost is one of my favorite church holidays. Maybe even my very favorite. I know Christmas and Easter, those are great, but they feel um, cultural as much as spiritual to me. But nobody except Christians cares about Pentecost. (laughs) Pentecost is when the church is born, when the followers of Jesus become a force to be reckoned with in the world. This morning, I want us to hear that story again, and then I want to share with you what I think it means for us now. This is the story from Acts chapter 2. Let us listen now in the reading of scripture for the word and the wisdom of God. When Pentecost Day arrived, it was a holiday that the Jewish people already celebrated and still celebrate. When Pentecost Day arrived, they, Jesus' followers, were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound from heaven, like the howling of a fierce wind, filled the entire house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. There were pious Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. When they heard this sound, a crowd gathered, and they were mystified because every one of them heard all of the followers speaking in their native languages. They were surprised and amazed, saying, look, aren't all these people who are speaking Galileans, every one of them? How then can each of us hear them speaking in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, as well as residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the regions of Libya bordering the Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the mighty works of God in our own languages. They were all surprised and bewildered. And some asked each other, what does this mean? And others jeered at them, saying they are full of new wine. Peter stood with the other 11 apostles. He raised his voice and declared, Judeans and everyone living in Jerusalem, know this. Listen carefully to my words. These people are not drunk. As you suspect, after all, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Rather, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young will see visions. Your elders will dream dreams. Even upon my servants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will cause wonders to occur in the heavens above and signs on the earth blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be changed into darkness and the moon will be changed into blood before the great and spectacular day of the Lord comes and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter then goes on to explain how the crucified and risen Jesus is the liberating Messiah that the Jewish people were waiting for, even though he didn't liberate them in the way they expected. And I'm gonna pick his speech back up in verse 37. When the crowd heard this, they were deeply troubled. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? 
And Peter replied, change your hearts and lives. Each of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far away, as many as the Lord God invites. With many other words, he testified to them and encouraged them, saying, let yourselves be saved from this perverse generation. Those who accepted Peter's message were baptized, and God brought about 3,000 people into the community on that day. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Each day, they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. And the Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. This is the word of God for all people. Thanks be to God. Visions of fire, a fiery sermon, 3,000 new people on fire for Jesus, and some lit churches. That's a good day. But what does it mean? Why does it matter? Why do we bother to keep celebrating it thousands of years later? Friends, Pentecost matters because the church was born to be expansive. And we must be reminded of that. Left to our own devices, we get insular. We turn inward. We form communities of people who look and think and talk and eat and buy like we do. But that is not what we are created for. We are created to be an expansive community. I like that word expansive. It's different than inclusive. Semantics maybe, but go with me for a minute. To include is to allow someone in if they come to us. To expand is to deliberately make room, to expect growth, to plan for it. Including can mean absorbing someone into what we are already doing, which is good. Expanding can mean changing what we do. We are called to be inclusive, most definitely. Exclusive church is ugly. Most of us have been to an exclusive church at some point. So yes, include, but perhaps even better, expand. This story, this goes along with what we see in the story. When the Bible says that people are filled with the Holy Spirit, you may think about water filling a cup. That's inclusion. But the word there is meant to convey not water filling a cup, but wind filling a sail. The sail expands. I mean, it doesn't actually get bigger, but you see the image, right? The sail is filled 
with wind, and then it is able to do what sails are supposed to do. The infilling of the Holy Spirit expands the church, moving us out of our safe harbors and into a restless sea full of people in need of boats. We are called to be an expansive church. When we include, we allow people inside our boundary. When we expand, we go past our own boundaries. We knock down our own boundaries. We spill over into new territory. Outdoor worship is a good picture of this. We can include people inside our four walls, which is good and right. Or we can go outside our walls and make more room. Here, it is hard to tell where the boundaries even are. Our neighbors can sit on their front porches and be in worship with us. We have moved beyond our boundaries. We are called to be an expansive church. But this raises the question of what to do with the very real differences between us. If we go beyond inclusion, which assumes there is a norm, to expansion, which assumes that no one group takes precedence, then what holds us together? If we don't require everyone to conform to the standards of one group of people, where will we find common ground? Nina, would you get her some water? Yeah. The Apostle Paul tells us the side door is open. The Apostle Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 3 where we're going to find that common ground. This chapter 3 of Galatians is an extended treatise on why non-Jewish people or Gentiles, that is us, do not have to keep the Jewish law. In this situation that Paul is writing to, there were some Jews who were willing to include Gentiles if they kept the Jewish law. But Paul says that's not necessary for them. Their common ground, their unity, their foundation, their starting place for expansion is something else. Listen to what he says in Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 28. This is their common ground. He says, you are all God's children through faith into, in Christ Jesus. You are all God's children through faith in Christ Jesus. All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. Nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Our foundation for expansion is our oneness in Christ Jesus. Amen. Unity is not the same as uniformity. Unity is not the same as uniformity. That would be a good place for you to say amen, but if you're not feeling it, it's okay. <laughs> we are one, but we are not the same. Okay? We don't cease to be our genders. We don't say we are colorblind. 
We don't ignore the things about people that make them who they are. In fact, especially when people have been marginalized in other places in the world, we must be more sensitive to that and more affirming in the church. So we don't say that everyone is the same, but we do say that no one matters more than anyone else does. People with fully abled bodies are not more valuable to our expansive community than people with disabilities. A man is not automatically the leader. We try hard to remember that the experiences of white people are not the experiences of all people. This idea that all are one does not mean that differences are ignored. It means that differences are submitted to our greater desire for unity. We model God's diversity, not when we include others, but when we recognize that we have all already been included. We are one, not because we are the same, but because we are together in Christ Jesus. Do you follow me? Pentecost is when the church begins to expand. And the significance of that experience of speaking in tongues is that it was proof that the welcome of God was expanding beyond expected boundaries. Every time throughout the book of Acts, you can go look this up, every time throughout the book of Acts that a group of people is described as speaking in tongues, it is proof to the rest of the church that those people are also welcome. They are also one in Christ. It is the sign that they are also included. As more and more people are welcomed, the church grows and grows and grows. It expands beyond the city of Jerusalem into the region of Judea, beyond Judea into the region of Samaria where the dreaded Samaritans lived, beyond Samaria to the ends of the earth. And as the church grows, the world changes. People are still being healed. And even if they aren't healed, they are fed and they are loved. People receive the gospel, the good news. They are encouraged. God's wholeness spreads. The followers of Jesus insist that the way the world is is not the way the world has to be and they live differently. They do not accept the status quo, but create new life-giving countercultural communities right where they are. They live in God's kingdom right in the middle of the Roman Empire. Individually, they are expanded by the power of the Holy Spirit and together they expand to fill the space around them. In the past, Militant imagery has been used by the church in ways that some of us now think are not healthy. That's because we've used that battle imagery against other people, and that is not scriptural. I would point my finger about that. 
(laughs) The book of Ephesians, which we studied together a couple summers ago, says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. This means our struggle, our battle, and it is a battle, is not against other humans, but against the evil that is built into our institutions, our systems, ideologies, corporations, bureaucracies. That is what we fight. And that fight is very real. For that fight, we need the infilling power of the Holy Spirit to sustain us and motivate us to give us creativity and courage. As the kingdom of God expands, we want it to expand into the territory currently held by principalities and powers. We want the church to expand into the territory currently held by evil. The Old Testament prophets declare this dream that the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. As God's people who have been blessed in order to be a blessing, as followers of Jesus who laid his life on the line and rose again to prove that love wins, as an expansive church filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, we will not accept anything less. not to conquer people, not to assimilate people, but to liberate people. To bear witness to our faith in the world. This is our calling. This is the meaning of Pentecost. Amen. Amen. Instead of our usual quiet reflection time this morning, I invite you instead to join our hearts and voices in an affirmation of faith from South Africa. I invite you to stand if you're able. Together, let us declare what is true about us and the world, speaking words of life and healing from the scriptures over the fear and pain and cynicism around us. Would you join me in the sermon response in your worship resources? It is not true that this world and its inhabitants are doomed to die and be lost. This is true. For God so loved the world that God gave God's only child, so that everyone who believes in him shall not die, but have everlasting life. It is not true that we must accept inhumanity and discrimination, hunger and poverty, death and destruction. This is true. Christ has come that all may have life and have it abundantly. It is not true that violence and hatred shall have the last word and that war and destruction have come to stay forever. This is true, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, in whom authority will rest, and whose name will be Prince of Peace. It is not true that we are simply victims of the powers of evil that seek to rule the world. This is true, to Christ is given authority in heaven and earth, and Christ is with us always to the end of the world. It is not true that we have to wait for those who are specially gifted, who are the prophets of the church, before we can do anything. This is true. God has poured out the Spirit on all people. Our sons and daughters shall prophesy. Our young people shall see visions. Our old folk shall dream dreams. It is not true that our dreams of liberation for humankind, our dreams of justice, human dignity, and peace are not meant for this earth and its history. 
This is true. The hour comes and it is now that true worshipers shall worship God in spirit and in truth. Alleluia. Come, spirit, come. Amen. Thanks be to God. You may be seated this morning. I am so glad that you have joined us this morning, both in person and online. If you are new this morning, I would love to meet you in person after worship. You can come find me if you're here in person or if you're online, you can reach out to me. There's a QR code in the bulletin, whether you're looking at that here or you're looking at it online. That QR code will take you to a page. It's basically like an online connection card. You can share your information with me. I'll reach out to you. Make sure that you are following us on Facebook. Take a peek at the announcements in the bulletin to keep track of everything that's happening. We have some really important things coming up, and I want to highlight them for you before we sing our final hymn. This coming weekend, we are putting into practice this call to be an expansive church by supporting our local Pride Festival. Delaware's third annual Pride Festival is happening on Saturday from 10 to 5 at Boardman Arts Park. Thank you for those of you who have already signed up to volunteer. If you haven't signed up, we can use your help with something else. We need popsicles. Boxes of 100 of the ones in the plastic sleeve. Please get a box, freeze them at your house because we don't have the freezer space here and then run them over here on Saturday morning at 8.30. The festival organizers expect 3,000 people at this event. So we really can't have too many popsicles. We are gonna worship outside again next Sunday, June 4th and have a potluck afterwards. When we are outdoors, we don't have nursery for the small ones because there's nowhere we can corral them safely. And we don't wanna take them inside when parents stay outside. So just plan to keep your little ones with you. Several of you know what it's like to spend Sunday morning just following a toddler around the yard. That is fine. Bring a lawn chair or a blanket. If you don't have one, we'll have a few folding chairs available. We are worshiping outdoors on the first Sunday of the month. So it will be a communion Sunday, which means Sunday school kids will also stay with their families in worship. And finally, Speaking of summer ministry, this summer we are partnering with our other intertwined churches to put on Vacation Bible School all together, July 10 through 14 from 11 to 2 each day, and that includes a hot lunch. Kids in grades K through 5 are welcome to attend, and we need adult volunteers as well. We need five people from this congregation who will each shepherd a group of just five kids throughout the week, the same five each day, so you get to know them and love them and speak into their life. As a congregation, we are in charge of the science experiments station, and we need two people to run that from 11 to 2 each day. We can also use help with registration, with preparing lunch, with first aid. If you want to register a child to attend or you want to sign up to volunteer, use the link that's in the bulletin. If you can't come to the event, you can come in the evenings on the week before to help decorate First Presbyterian Church. And if you can't do any of those things, we need 25 people to give $25 each to help us cover the financial costs. VBS is free to every kid because of your generosity. You can designate cash or check for VBS in the offering, or you can designate it online. VBS, here's one of the reasons I'm so excited about it. Vacation Bible School is a community outreach event. Half of the kids who attend Vacation Bible School will not be coming from one of these four churches. This is an opportunity for kids who may be home alone during the summer, who may not have anyone in their life who encourages them, or maybe they just don't have a church home to hear that God loves them and that they can make a difference in the world by shining Jesus' light. 
Again, there's a link in the bulletins that you can use to sign up both kids who want to attend and adults who want to volunteer. Do it now. I know July feels far away, but it's not. Finally, I want to say a special thank you to our guest musicians, Carrie Davidson and Scott Sloan. The White family is taking a much needed vacation together this weekend. Absences are not bad. They are an opportunity. They create space for new things to happen, for other people to share their gifts. So thanks, friends, for your gifts and your leadership this morning. Thanks be to God for this incredible time together. Before we depart, we're going to sing one final song, something of a favorite around here. It is We Are Called, number 2172 in the hymnals. If my small child is within audible range, we are about to sing your song that you wanted to come for. Sammy, where are you? Well, he'll start coming when you hear it. Why don't you go stand by Carrie so you guys can keep track together. Okay, will that work? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. 2172, we are called as we remember on this Pentecost day what it is that God has called us to do and to be as a church. Oh yeah, let's get that guitar.
Before we go, let me give you a closing blessing. People of Zion, may you go from this place filled with the Holy Spirit. May you go from this place feeling yourself expand past your boundaries, outside your comfort zone, to where God is calling you to change the world. Peace be with you. You can be seated. What's that mom song? What's that song, Mom? It's Miss Carrie playing a song. Huh? What are you doing? Where are you going? What are you doing, Mom? Because we're done. Church is done. Huh? Yeah, church is done. Go with my toys. You did great. You did great. Thanks for coming over to sing with me. Where's my toy? Miss Carrie finished playing her song. (laughs) Your stuff was perfect. Thank you. Yeah, go put your stuff away and then you come back and talk to your friends, okay?